It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Hello, Hockey World. Uh, today is Monday, February 9th, 2015. I'm Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com, and I'm pleased to be joined once again by the former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Michael. Uh, I'm sure it's very. I'm sure it's much better better weather conditions down in sunny Florida than it is in uh, snowy Buffalo right now. I've got two feet of snow on the driveway, so uh, I'm trapped yeah, you, in the. You're paying the price for living in uh, such a lovely area, and uh, yes, we're, the, the weather the weather has been pleasant, but but we can't help but miss the forecast. I feel badly for Buffalo, but they're used to it. Uh, yes. New England is really getting pounded again today, so. It's been a difficult two or three weeks for people in the New England area, certainly. Yeah, and they, I, I heard that they just canceled the bean pot until uh, February 23rd, I believe. So, you know, it's affecting hockey. And uh, yeah, uh, I wonder, I wonder if the Leafs GM Dave Nonis is going to be able to get out of Boston. He was scouting the uh, the Bruins Canadians game last night, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you know, the, we've, we're coming off, you know, the possibly the worst month in the history of the Leafs franchise. The team loses 11 games in a row, franchise record 11 games in a row. They finally win a game on Saturday against the Edmonton Oilers. I don't want to waste a lot of time talking about the game or talking about the way the team is playing because, honestly, I think the games now until the end of the season, are uh, the, the results of them are meaningless other than the hopefully them losing most of the 28 because there's no playoff spot to be garnered. It's only, you know, how they position themselves for the draft. What's been your analysis of the way the team has played? It just doesn't seem that they, they're grasping the, you know, defensive concept that Peter Horacek is trying to get them to implement. No, that has not been a raging success. I think that uh, when you look back on it and you try to retrospectively explain why a team that was still in playoff contention and was above 500, had their coach fired, you get the feeling that maybe there is something behind this uh, more than what uh, firing of a coach might indicate. Uh, I think there, you have to draw the conclusion that Carlisle was not the problem. And I recall when uh, Shanahan made the move, he said, the players are aware, and I have told them, that we will be watching them. Mm-hmm. That didn't seem to inspire anything other than uh, a record-setting winless streak. So either they don't have it, and as a group they don't. I don't think there's any question of that. They don't have the proper makeup to be a good hockey team. They play better at home than they do on the road, obviously. And when they were in their best position, they had a home ice advantage of 11 games. And I said mm-hmm. at the time, probably said it to you, Mike, Wait, let's wait until they balance out the home and road schedule. And they did that last week in, in Nashville. And that's why they were 26th in the league. 
And you're right. The, the only thing they can do that will impress any Leaf fans from here on in is to position themselves by accident or by design, who's about to discuss it, uh, to a better draft position. Uh, and uh, th- that's the, the one thing that I'm looking at because uh, I have concluded, like you, Mike, that there's no chance they can make the playoffs. They don't have the right mix. The only uh, thing that has to be made clear to the ownership is that this is not a five-week process, positioning yourself for the draft. This is the beginning of a five-year rebuild, which uh, five years might get you to a position where you can win two rounds in the in the playoffs. So it's it's not going to be painless at all, but I think the good start will be how they finish in the next two months. And uh, I... I I'm, I can recall Burke had the same opportunity, and to save his reputation, he brought in the, the goalie who played very well and won a number of games for the Leafs, and consequently they dropped out of the elite status and uh, player selection. And the Leafs can't afford to do that this, this time. They, they've got to get an elite player from that top five, and uh, if they get any luck in the lottery pick, then they might move up. But I think top five is minimum for them to shoot for, and we don't want to use the word tank because it's uh, too obvious, but uh, I think positioning of the team so that it's more difficult for them to gather points is probably uh, the most uh, complimentary way of putting it, but they they better do that. Yeah, I mean, mean, yes, there's a negative connotation to the the word tank or tank nation, you know, but... I mean, realistically, I mean, we, we've and we've said this on a couple po- uh, different podcasts. You can't get number one centers or top defensemen uh, in free agency anymore. You, know, you, you unless you want to spend nine million dollars a year, you can't get them through trade unless there's something wrong with the player. You know, in terms of you know his attitude or you know, other factors. I mean, like Evander Kane or you know Phil Kessel in a sense. I mean, we 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 know what Phil Kessel is. It, he's a limited player. Uh, he's a, talented player but he's a limited player but you're not going to get franchise players through free agency and through trade it's going to be through the draft and what we saw on Saturday with Morgan Riley who's a 20 year old kid and I'm not piling the pressure of being the top defenseman now on him but I think he's got the skill set to be their top defenseman and to be a top defenseman in a year or two and getting a top five pick is the pathway to getting a franchise-level center, or another top defenseman? Well, if, if they can get a top centerman to go with Riley, and I'm with you on Riley, I think he's a kid that you can build around on your defense. Sure, he's not as strong as he will be in front of the net or in the corners, but that will come with maturity. Mm-hmm. So you get him, and then you get a young centerman, if you can get one, out of this group, and uh, all of a sudden you have uh, a centerman, on the grow, you have a defenseman who's closer to uh, being a, their best defense. probably is their best defenseman from a production standpoint. And you have a goalie, if, if, if in fact Bernier is the guy, because they certainly uh, seem to think that Bernier will be the guy. So Bernier at 27 and uh, the young kids in five years, you'll you have the building blocks for a solid foundation. And uh, the Leafs don't have that now. And uh, they thought they had it when they acquired uh, Phil Kessel and they neglected to read the tea leaves on why a team like the Bruins who were building for a Stanley Cup would be so anxious to dispose of them. And they found that out. And there's nothing wrong with Phil Kessel other than 
uh, as a team builder or as a part of building a team foundation, uh, you can only count on him for some goals and some assists. Uh, you can't count on him to bring his character to the front and lead the team. So that's if that's the way you evaluate him, that's the way he is. I, I know that I evaluated him that way from afar, and uh, I would never, ever have considered paying him $8 million bucks. That's the flaw. And then they did the same with FNUF. I mean, anybody that researched FNUF in Calgary knew what he was like. And he's the very same way here. And they paid him $7 million. So now we've got a predicament where you can't get any value out of two relatively talented players that could get you something on the trademark market because, hey, well, I don't want him here. He's not, he's not the kind of guy that I'm going to build a Stanley Cup winner around. And I don't want to pay him that kind of money if he's not that kind of guy. So the Leafs are on the horns of a dilemma that is not going to be um, easily resolved, and it'll be interesting to see when this all settles if, in fact, they're able to trade Phaneuf and Kessel, but more importantly, if, in fact, they get anything for them. When I say anything, anything of significance in a rebuild. Yeah, it might, it might be a McCabe for Mike Van Ryan scenario where they just just going to be glad to get rid of the contract, something like yeah. that. But the, you know, the in, just briefly on this, um, you know, there's people are talking about uh, you know Bernier's play and he let that bad goal in against Arizona and you know he suffered the uh, the laceration on his leg in Nashville, comes back in the third period with the team leading with Reimer and goal and then they lose the game and then Reimer plays well. On uh, Saturday, you know, there's like a, a little bit of a sentiment of let's go with Reimer uh, for the interim. And my theory, or my my thought is, Reimer's under contract next year. Bernier is a restricted free agent. I think the the organization has to determine, or at least get more evidence to see whether this guy is capable of being a number one goaltender. Meaning, of the last 28 games, I think he's got to play 20, you know, or at least 20, and see how he how he handles it because. They have to determine whether they want to just sign him to the bridge deal or sign him to a long-term extension, and the only way you can really find that out is by playing him and seeing what he does. Yeah, well, and they got the same problem with uh, with with Reimer. I mean, they, Reimer's the same age. Reimer's in the same position. He just hasn't had the notoriety, nor was he the first pick. So I, I suppose you take the guy that's supposed to be better to establish how you're going to handle him. But in the meantime, you've got a guy like Reimer who appears to be of the two a much better team player. I think if you surveyed his team, you would find out that the players probably are more comfortable with Reimer and Nett. And that's not uh, meant to be a slam on Bernier. It just might be the personality of the guy. And I think Reimer handles adversity extraordinarily well, and I think he would be a good leader on a team. And uh, uh, that's something that Shanahan will have evaluated since he fired Carlisle and has been doing... uh, thorough evaluation of his uh, of his personnel he'll have to make that call and i i don't disagree with your theory of playing him 20 of 28 games but i do wonder whether how they're going to evaluate reimer uh although he's got another year left in his contract is there? no he's not he's he's a he's an rfa too isn't he mike no he's, he's got an, he's got another year another year 2.3 but the, oh, okay. the contract okay. the contract was front loaded so i mean bill it's my theory if they're signing Bernier to a long-term extension that James Reimer will be gone either by the deadline or over yeah. the summer because they can't afford to pay a backup $2 million. That's right. That's right. Yep. 
Now, touch, again, touching briefly on this because uh, I want to get out, get talking about the deadline here. But you know, um, on Saturday it was uh, reported by uh, Damian Cox of Sportsnet that uh, you know Dave Nonis will be the GM through the trade deadline. I don't know why that needed to be said unless you know people thought he was going to be fired immediately. I mean, his job yeah, is I, in jeopardy. It, it, yeah, I, I, I thought it was unnecessary, but uh, there must there must have been some people who were tweeting or twitting about uh, firing Nonis, and uh, uh, apparently that's not going to be the case, and I don't think it makes a lot of sense at this point. I, oh. I do, though. I do, though, think that his term will be over uh, on the 1st of June at the very latest. Yeah, well, what makes even less sense, and, it's, and, and, you know, I realize being somebody who does a daily webcast and writes a daily column that, you know, you're looking for things to write about, and, you know, I have a lot of respect for Bob McCowan and Steve Simmons of the Toronto Sun, but floating the idea last week that the Leafs, that the Pierre Horchuk is over his head and that an interim coach should be fired, when basically the interim coach is doing what I think the organization wants him to do, you know, teach structure, but I don't think that they want this team to win down the stretch. I mean, they're already doing that most doing most of the work there but I, I really don't think that he's to blame for the way the team is played again it's a randy carlisle scenario where you can only do so much uh with chicken excrement yeah. you can't make chicken salad into it that's right and and uh, i i i'm with you ever people say well shanahan doesn't hasn't done anything hasn't said anything i think he's said a lot he's spoken volumes by what he did with the coaching staff he has uh, spoken volumes by taking Randy Carlisle out of the mix because Randy was going to keep that team in the playoffs, and so instead of picking in the top five, they'd pick in the top 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. That takes them out of the elite status, and he didn't want that to be an issue, and uh, he didn't want to be accused of tanking. So he found a way and said, look, Peter, here's what I want you to do, and uh, you coach to the best of your ability, but... I don't want this team to accumulate a number of useless points at this stage. And it appears to everyone in hockey that they're out of the playoffs. Uh, I would like it to settle. And uh, settle, it might, I mean, Columbus is one point behind them. Carolina is four or five behind them. Columbus has games in hand, I think, three. And uh, Carolina has two or three. So the, the, the possibility of dropping another two spots is not out of the question. But it's going to require a number of people being moved at the deadline who are important parts of that team right now. And and, uh, Santorelli and Winnick, if you drop them tomorrow, you've lost, in my estimation, from a value-added standpoint, two of your top seven players. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's going to hurt your depth on the third and fourth lines, and it's going to make you an easier prey to beat. So if that's what they're doing, we'll find that out at – at trade deadline time, because I would think that what they're going to get back is all futures, and futures will not be of any help to you come uh, the next uh, four or five weeks as you uh, go down the final road. Now, let's talk about the deadline here, and you know, I want to draw on your your expertise as a as a former agent. Um, you know, the Leafs have been talking about contract discussions with Franzen, with Santorelli. It's my theory that this has basically just been buying time, that the, they're really not serious about, you know, talking a realistic contract extension with these two players. One reason is because of their cap situation, but the other reason is 
I mean, you look at the offer that got out there about that they made to Franzen, which was three years uh, at around $4.6 million. You know, the top defenseman out there uh, last year in free agency, you know, guys like Niskanen and guys like Brooks Orpik, they had six- or seven-year deals over $5 bucks, And based on the way the Leafs have negotiated with Franzen over the last few years, I don't think they were going to get a sweetheart deal for him, and I don't think they were going to get a, a sweetheart deal from Santarelli, who is the, you know is with the team for a year. Is this just them buying time, or basically like uh, telling other organizations, "Well, we're interested in keeping them, but if you want to get these guys, raise your price a little bit." Yeah, well, I, I think the, the the big dilemma, Mike, is that they've got <clears throat> enough on a contract of seven million bucks. They don't have room for another right. defenseman <laughs> at um at six you know, six or whatever uh, it'll be in that area. So until and when they can move enough, they can't seriously consider taking France excuse me, Mark. <clears throat> so uh, to your point, I think they're just being polite. And if there's no movement of the seven million dollar guy, then Franson's gone. I wouldn't be surprised he goes to Detroit. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of speculation about Franz, and um, I mean, and that, that's that's the other thing I wanted to sort of ask about because it's difficult to interpret the movements of a management team and an organization based on you know where their scouts are, where their assistant general managers are, where the general managers are. I mean, Dave Nonis was last week was in Manchester to uh, look at the LA Kings uh, AHL team. He took in the, I think it was LA and, uh, or Manchester and uh, Portland, I believe. Um, but the thing was, he he lives in New Hampshire. So there's no way to interpret whether he was actually at that game because he was going home for the weekend or whether he was actually showing interest in some of the LA Kings. Yeah. Um, he's been in he's been in Nashville. He's been in Tampa. He was in Boston last night. Mark Hunter, the assistant GM, was at an Islanders Red Wings game. Everybody, you know, there's this spread out of of the management team right now, three weeks before the deadline. But the question I have to you is, is that can you interpret that anything more, any, put any more weight behind that? You know, a general manager or assistant general manager going to watch a game than the scouts. Uh, who normally patrol a certain area going to a game. Is there more weight to an assistant general manager or a general manager going to a game? Well, I think what they they have a list of players at each position that they have an interest in based on their pro scouting. And so now they're helping the pro scouts by focusing on those top two or three guys that they think might be of some use to them. But the Leafs, if I understand this properly, they're not really looking at the other guys' players, unless they can get a real prospect, they're looking at uh, what what they can get, if anything, in the prospect area. And if they can't, then they're going to get a draft choice. So I, I find anybody that goes out looking at players specifically, uh, it's not done his work up until that point. You have pro scouts that watch all the games and they watch uh, – Everybody play, and they have a fairly objective and accurate evaluation of each player. So to answer your question, Mark Hunter and Dave Nonis are going out to watch specific people. And if it's the Islanders, uh, and the Islanders want a defenseman, that's, that's the Franzen deal. 
if Mark Hunter's watching Detroit, they're going to try and get a prospect from Detroit. And they, they should get a prospect from Detroit for Franzen. I think Franzen is the most tradable from a return standpoint. And uh, Santarelli is a guy that's going to get you a draft pick, and so is Winnick. You're not going to get a good young player in return for those two. No. So uh, I, I think them being out there is more show uh, than it is uh, 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 getting a lot of work done. They know what they want. Uh, Hunter knows the uh, junior market extraordinarily well. So anything that he goes to see, he's already seen before. And Nonis, I don't know uh, what he's doing. I didn't even know he'd moved back to New Hampshire. I thought he was still out in B.C. I knew he never lived in Toronto. Right. Um, well, okay, Winnick and Santorelli first. Um, I, I agree with your assessment. that, And I think that's what the organization wants. I mean, this was money well spent in the summer. They, you know, they, I think Santorelli is $1.5 million. Winnick is $1.3. Those are contracts that are very manageable by teams who are, you know, maybe cap-strapped. They can fit in a third-line, second-line guy, whatever they want to plug in these two players at. Because they're low salary, because, you know, there's apparently – significant interest in them. And, you know, there are a lot of forwards out there, so it's not like they have the market cornered. But to my mind, I think they can get, a, say, a second-round pick for Santorelli. They can get maybe a third-round pick for Daniel Winnick. What, what do you think of, of the, well, that potential return? I, I, I can reflect back to when we got Blake Wesley, pardon me, Glenn Wesley, mm-hmm. a very useful veteran defenseman, leadership skills. We wanted him for that... 202 Stanley Cup run, we had to give up a second. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that in today's market uh, that a Wesley equates to a Santorelli. However, there aren't that many available anymore because of the cap situation, so the price has gone up. So I don't think it's unfair to think that you're going to get uh, a second for Santorelli, maybe in the next year's draft, just to soften it a little. And Winnick, uh, he's probably a third. Santorelli gets a little more because of his offensive flair. I like Winnick just as much. Yeah. Now, Franzen, I mean, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because one of the teams that's been tied to Franzen is in the L.A. Kings. Um, L.A. suffered another injury over the weekend to their defense. I mean, they, they're, they're without going off because of his legal situation. Alec Martinez got hurt on Saturday in a win over Tampa. So, yeah, another injury to the defense might kick Dean Lombardi into action to say, I need to get a defenseman now, or he might think it's a bridge too far because now he's lost two defensemen and trying to pick up a guy like Cody Franzen might be, you know, a waste of a waste of the organization's prospects. But there are arguably three, four, maybe even five teams that probably have significant interest in Franzen, and a number of reporters are saying the Leafs could parlay this into a low, and I stress low, first-round pick for Franzen. Do you think that yeah, that is yeah, possible? I, I, I think that that's a possibility uh, because of the number of teams that are interested in a right-hand shot defenseman. Uh, don't forget there's Petrie and there's one other one who's available. Uh, along with, Mike Green. Mike yeah, Green. Mike Green. Yeah, well, Mike Green, uh, yeah. I don't know that they'd be trading him. But they might, they may. That that's uh, that's an interesting one. But uh, and you need a little more money for the for the last month. But mm-hmm. I I just think if there's five six teams interested, 
there's going to be the one that signs the, the the one they want most, and then there's only two for four teams. So you probably uh, will get extra value uh, because of uh, the number of teams involved. And Franson's still a relatively young defenseman. Uh, so yeah, I think the Leafs could could uh, get a bottom end, uh, a 25 to 30 pick in the first round, and if they do, uh, they'll feel better about that one. Or they might end up giving. Uh, getting a first for Franson, and they'll give back uh, one of their, uh, like a third round pick, some kind of a imbalance, but getting them that first. The other name that's sort of popped up in the last week or so, and it maybe not surprising that it has, is Tyler Bozak. Now, I think, you know, you and I have talked about him many times. He's not a number one center. He never has been. He never will be. He's basically been the de facto number one center because he plays well with Kessel. But, there are redeeming qualities to, to Bozak. I think he, you know, he can win faceoffs. He's a good penalty killer. He's got skill. I think he fits in better as a number two or even a number three on a on a good team. And he's got a an economical deal for at a little over four million dollars for another three years. So my my read on this, and I don't know if they're going to trade him by March the second or if this is just smoke, but they have to sign Nazem Kadri in the off season. I think they probably want to sign him to a long-term extension because it's good, it's better bang for the buck. And Kadri and Bozak are the same player. I mean, they're the same. They almost the same production. You know, one's a little better defensively, ones, but but Kadri is four years younger, and I think it's simply clearing a salary out because they have the replacement already on the roster. Yeah, I, and Kadri's got something else that Bozak doesn't have. For me, anyway, Mike, and I'm not. This is not a criticism of uh, of um, uh, Bozak, but Kadri's got some nastiness to him. He's uh, the type of player that uh, you know he'll stick you. He'll 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 run into you. He'll cause some trouble for you if you uh, uh, you know push him. And Bozak won't. So Bozak is a soft centerman who is a great playmaker and very strong in the faceoff circle. That's something that people will take into account, particularly in the playoffs. So he could be a very attractive package, and I'm with you. You can't have two of them, and the Leafs need one big center iceman, and neither Kadri nor Bozak fill that particular bill. Do you see any of the big-name players on this roster or anybody that we haven't mentioned uh, possibly being moved? I mean, there's talk about possibly Lupo. I mean, one of the one of the speculations, I'm going to write about this today, you know, since Nonis is in – uh, was in Boston, uh, and Montreal is looking for scoring before the trade deadline, and they have a lot of cap room, and Lupel's name has been tied to Montreal for at least a year. He was supposedly the guy who was going to go into Josh George's deal, although I've heard talk about it being Franzen, which didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think there is a possibility of a Lupel or anybody else that we didn't mention being moved? Well, of all the people, I think Lupul is a guy that injuries notwithstanding, and he's had a lot of bad luck in that area, or it might be an inherent risk, um, this guy can play hockey. I mean, he is an offensively skilled player who can pass, shoot, do what he has to do. He's got a bit of, a bit of nastiness in him. You know, he'll stick his nose in, which is obvious with the Leafs because so few of them do. But I, 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 I can see Lupo being a good acquisition, and they might get an interesting draft pick for him. As you know, before uh, 
uh, Lombardi signed Gabrick, he was pushing for Lupo. And that uh, that shows you that they're, they know what he can do. He's a specialist. And when you can play him with a centerman that will get him the puck, he knows where to put it. Yeah, he's got a lot of skill. I mean, I know the, there were rumors that the Blues had a lot of interest in him. But, again, it was another situation where, uh, you know, they're a little scared of the injury situation. And, you know, if a player continues to get injured, I mean, when it gets rough in the playoffs, the risk of injury goes up even more. So, I mean, it's it's questionable. I mean, the thing is that it's a five and a quarter million dollar investment for another three years, and I mean that's I mean that's going to be ta- I think task number one for whoever the new GM is in the summer is to get rid of as many of these big contracts as they possibly can. Because oh yeah, they've got they've got to create more flexibility for themselves as they go forward. I mean, this this lineup is. It's a train wreck, as they say. It, it, it's just there's nothing there that shows any form of planning. I mean, look at what Bergevin has done for Montreal. And you just mentioned he's got lots of cap room. Well, you yeah. think that happened by accident? No. He got rid of two two big uh, contracts in the last three months. Mon and uh, who was the other one that they moved on? Uh, 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 Rene Bork. Yeah, Rene Bork. Yeah. And, and there they go. And so all of that cap space is now available not only for this year, but for next year. And so uh, those types of moves, if, the, if they're that simple, are only made because of the short-term nature of the contract. And the Leafs, everybody's on a big contract, including Nonis. I mean, he got a new five-year extension. What, why were they giving him a five-year extension? Yeah, but that's tip money to MLS and E, so that really doesn't matter. Doesn't yeah, no, that, that's nothing cap. to do with anything other than mismanagement. Yeah. Last question, Bill. Um, you know, there was uh, Mike Zeisberger uh, of the Toronto Sun wrote a piece yesterday about the, the Leafs potentially getting Connor McDavid, and it's not, you know, it's not a pipe dream. I mean, if they, even if they finish like seventh or eighth, they have a five, six percent chance. Um, as, as somebody who's been an observer of the Leafs for as long as I have and as long as you have, you know, they really haven't had a player potentially who is the best player in, in the NHL. And I don't know if that's putting too much weight on Connor McDavid, but he's, you know, speculated to be, you know, the next Crosby. Um, but, I mean, the closest I can think of is maybe Daryl Sittler. I don't think Daryl Sittler was the best player in the league. Always probably in the top five or top ten. Um, one, do you, you know, what would, it, what would it be like in Toronto if they did have the best player in the league? And two, do you think the rest of the league would cry conspiracy if the Maple Leafs won the lottery? Oh no, I don't. That that conspiracy is out of ignorance. That's that's not going to. If it happens, it's called good luck. That's all. And I don't see anything to that. I do see an excited Toronto uh, with a Connor McDavid, and he'll play right away because that's the way they're going to do it. And they'll <clears throat> they'll build protection around him to allow him to develop. But getting a player of Connor McDavid's potential, and the fact that he is head and shoulders the number one player in the draft to people. Uh, aren't prepared to admit it. He may not be five years from now, but going in, he is. Uh, I think it would be great for hockey, and it would be great for Connor McDavid, and it would save an embarrassing situation because I don't know this to be the fact, but if I were Connor McDavid's representative, I would make sure that he's comfortable going to Edmonton. And if he weren't, I would make sure that Edmonton were aware of it, and it might be in their best interest to trade the pick. Mm. 
I, I just don't. I, I mean, you can't. First of all, <clears throat> if you saw them Saturday night, and God bless them, they're doing their best. They're a long way away. And they have too many small players. They have to get bigger players, pick bigger players, and uh, so that they can protect the little ones that they've got there now. And Connor McDavid is not a giant, but he can use some protection. And uh, they, I, I just, uh, and, and with the history of mismanagement, <clears throat> and I say this respectfully because I know the people there, and they're not stupid people. It's just the combination of all things. And this is what happened when Lindros went to Quebec. I can see in Connor McDavid another Lindros situation, not to the extent not to the extent yeah. that uh, they uh, uh, are going to make a big fuss about it or the agent's going to make a big fuss about it. But I'd right. be I'd be careful if I had the, them uh, looking at me as a number one pick and I didn't want to go there. I'd make sure they knew it. Yeah, sort of like Craig Simpson when he was back with the the first pick in '85 when uh, supposedly he told the Leafs that he didn't want to play for the Leafs, and I think all Leaf fans were thankful that uh, they took Wendell Clark instead. Yeah, but. yeah, I think they were taking Wendell anyway, but the, at least uh, Craig had the decency to tell them. That's all. That's all you can do. And if they if they take you after you've told them, well, then you say, I'm sorry, but I told you. Right. The way you go. Well, Bill, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming on. As, you know, Every time I ask, and um, hopefully I can have you again uh, before the deadline in three weeks, uh, should be very interesting to see what the Leafs do. Uh, I think they're going to start making some moves this week because I don't think the price on guys like Santorelli or Winnick is going to drop much between now and March the 2nd. But thank you yeah. very much for uh, coming on. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mike, and uh, call me early uh, before the deadline, like uh, Wednesday or Thursday would be the best time. I will do that. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Bill Waters. This is Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.